Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Al Gorgoni, a guitarist who's played on countless records by Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, Simon and Garfunkel, The Monkees, and more. Welcome, Al. How are you today? I'm good, Sam. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. It's not every day I get to talk to someone who's played on such incredible songs. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was at the right place at the right time. <laughs> well, all right. So how do you start playing guitar? Well, a, f a friend from uh, around the corner from where I live, um, his uncle was a cab driver. This is in New York. And he taught his nephew how to strum chords and, and play play these old songs, you know, these uh, 1920s kind of tunes, five foot two, eyes of blue, but you know, and you just play rhythm kind of guitar. And, and I love that. I thought, I, wow, I'd say I'd love to be able to do that. Um, and uh, my father bought me a guitar immediately as soon as he knew I wanted to do music because he loved music. And uh, I was about 13, 14. And uh, I learned from my friend, you know, the basic things. And to make a long story short, I wound up uh, my real, real teacher who was like my guardian angel in the flesh, you know, this guy. Pete just taught me how to read on the guitar. He taught me how to a lot of things. And mostly he was just this beautiful man who loved music. And he took me under his wing and I became his companyist. And we worked together for a, a number of years. But very important thing uh, was he sent me to study harmony and theory with another wonderful musician. So I, I learned the, the language, the, the total aspect of music, because it's rhythm, melody, which is one line, and harmony, which is the up and down stuff, the chords that go with it. And I was that, I think, prepared me to uh, take advantage of the opportunities that came my way. Well, all right. And speaking of opportunities, you played on the electric overdub of Simon and Garfunkel's album, Sounds of Silence. What was the process of that like? Because I know Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel weren't on the session with you, were they? No, they weren't. I think Paul was in uh, in England somewhere. But anyway, uh, I got a call for a session, and and there were these, you know, uh, there was no music, there was uh, no real direction except here, put a track to these two guys singing and playing to the solo guitar. So the, the band, you know, was the cats, you know, drums, bass, keyboard, a couple of guitars. Um, they had to keep playing the, the, the tape, the original recording over and over. And until we came up with parts to accompany the, the track based on what Paul had played on his original acoustic guitar. Because originally it was just acoustic guitar and them singing. So, uh, and it had been released as a single, but never caught on until we put the uh, the track on it. And I remember that not so much because of the, the music of it, which is great, it has this kind of mysterious kind of thing, but it, it, it was like a really intelligent, philosophical, uh, soulful kind of lyric that wasn't the, you know, June, spoon, moon, pop kind of, uh, you know, uh, sweet ballad type of thing, love ballads. It was a different uh, uh, kind of song, which 
really amazing. Yeah, well, it, it certainly turned out to be a, a pretty great album, and it must have been such a great experience. You know, you get to listen to it now and be like, hey, that's me. You can hear me there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, if I hear something, you know, uh, and remember it, it's me, because there was a lot of stuff that went by that, um, you know, I don't, I don't remember. But the thing, the, there are outstanding ones like that one that, that I do remember. You can't forget, you know, I mean, really. Yes. Well, you also played with Bob Dylan. What was that like? That was another kind of, uh, it was the same producer, uh, Tom Wilson. And his approach was, you know, you call the, the, the guys who know what to do and you let them do their thing, whatever it is, right? Uh, it's not a hands-on type of guy, and I, more of an idea man. So the birds, I don't know if you're familiar with the... the the birds did this folk rock, electric folk rock. Yes, right? yes. Ready now, it's a it's a genre, right? So every folk artist is going to have to get an electric band behind them. Otherwise, they're not, you know, they're not uh, commercial anymore, you know. So so he had this idea, and I loved Bob Dylan before, uh, you know. He, he I even met him. You know, I, he was this quirky little folky guy that that was just so so much of an individual uh he had to be great you know i think and and he was doing you know very um um socially conscious and and his songs were saying something put it that way again it wasn't just this empty kind of pop uh kind of stuff and i appreciated that i always appreciated real quality intelligence in pop popular music you know there's this, this silly happy kind of stuff which is great you know bubble gum you know that type of thing um but this the, this and 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 it was at the time when the singer songwriter came into vogue right it wasn't always a singer songwriter previous to that there were singers and there were songwriters and the singers needed songs and the songwriters needed people to sing their songs so we would make a lot of demos uh for the songwriters so the publisher could present the song to the various artists who were coming up for recordings and um that that was where the sort of the whole thing started because the songwriters the younger songwriters started to do their own material and, and that, uh, like Carol King, uh, you know, Paul Simon was Jerry, Jerry Landers. It, that Simon and Garfunkel were previously Tom and Jerry as, as a group. So, um, you know, it, it was a time when, when that started to come together. The songwriters were writing their own songs and they were presenting them themselves you know, as artists. And that, that that was a big change. Yeah. I mean, it, gosh, it sounds like such an interesting thing to do, like playing, playing, I guess those demos, like that must have been really cool. Were there any like, were there any demos that you, you played on that later turned into like big songs? Uh, there were a few. I don't remember the, the, the titles, but uh, um, Our Day Will Come, I think, started out as a demo. Uh, there were plenty of them. I, I mean... I don't remember because, like, say, uh, at the time when Elvis Presley was coming up for a recording, all the writers in, in New York City 
were writing songs hoping to get an Elvis Presley record. So there'd be a zillion songs that we played demos <laughs> on. You know, maybe one of them through passing, you know, beca actually became the record. But a lot of it, uh, you know, just sort of came, passed through, you know, just came and went. Yeah, gosh. Well, well, that sounds really fun, like playing on all those songs, you know. Some might not have turned into anything. I guess some did. But yeah, that, that must have been great. It was it was fun, you know. Uh, it, I never imagined uh, being there, hmm. uh, and it was just by some fluke that I wound up uh, there at, at that time. And people were calling me. Uh, it's beyond my uh, wildest dreams. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Huh. So, of all the sessions you played on, do you have a favorite? There are a lot of them. Um, I love working on all the four seasons stuff and neil diamond but the one the one session and it, it's usually what people introduce me as the guy who played the guitar part on uh brown eyed girl okay um i used to work with chip taylor who wrote uh, a lot of songs and he would always introduce me at, this is the guy who played the guitar on brown eyed girl and i and always said to him I would rather be you, the guy who wrote Wild Thing. He made a lot more money <laughs> in Wild Thing, right? But anyway, uh, that was a really fun session because it just felt good, and they let me keep playing until the part. They was all live. Everybody was there. Van Morrison, you know, he played the song, sat in front of us and played the song, and I got this kind of Calypso vibe, this kind of island thing, which really that was the kind of song it was. And, uh, you know, I remember, I don't know if you know who Harry Belafonte is. Yes, you yes. You know who he is? I well, do. He was this sort of Caribbean, and his his all of his stuff had that kind of vibe to it. So I thought, you know, I was thinking island you know, and uh, turned out really great. I love it. I can still listen to that and, and enjoy it because it's, it's not a usual guitar part. Usually the guitar is either strumming or playing single lines, right? Uh, there's the folk picking, the finger picking kind of stuff, which is kind of based on a pattern of playing the notes in a certain pattern. But there's more like the pianistic kind of piano playing, which is not a repeated pattern but is has melodies and harmonies and it goes into rhythm and then and and that part in uh from that perspective is really really a a, a worthy part as well as being musically i mean as well as being you know a catchy uh part of the record yeah. so that that's something i i I appreciate. Gosh, well, that's such a great song. And, you know, all, a lot of songs you played on, a, lo a lot of great songs. You know, you're, you're pretty lucky. You, you you played on a bunch of great ones. I am lucky. I am lucky. Um, you know, uh, part of it is being a young person at the time, you know, because most of the, the recording players were previous generation, generations, you know, the big band guys, the jazz guys. And they were kind of disdainful of these uh, rock and roll kids, you know. Um, they're not as good musician as the, the jazz cats. Okay. But what happened when I got into it, and like I'm saying, the singer-songwriter aspect of it, that all emerged at the same time. So uh, there were a bunch of us there who, for whatever reasons, not, not, no one I know uh, decided to be, say, I want to be a studio musician. We just wound up there. And the songwriters, they, they wanted to be songwriters, so they knew that you had to get involved with publishers. And that's 
that was the beginning of of the 60s what they call the brill building scene uh you know um it was a seminal time for for popular music and that music still sounds good yeah certainly i mean brown eyed girl as you said that song definitely holds up i still hear it yeah well did you ever get to hang out with any of the musicians after you uh recorded with them you know it was more uh, a sense of uh yeah i might hang out with the you know for a little but i never really mingled with the artists the guys that that were in front of the public you know i mean i had a friend or two who were who were but uh I was more the one of the guys behind the scenes, you know. Uh, without us, they couldn't have been who they became. I mean, literally, uh, sing your song a cappella and see what happens. Uh, I don't mean to be uh, facetious, but there are a lot of unsung heroes that are behind all those great records. Now, people are starting to be aware, you know, of the guys who were on in the, you know behind the scenes there's all kinds of documentaries being made there's the one on the wrecking crew and the memphis guys and muscle shoals and detroit and somebody's working on one for new york too so that's going to be fun when that comes out yeah gosh yeah well that you know i find that really interesting cuz i've heard like not only from you from other um studio musicians i've talked to like specifically like bob dylan he'd give them a guitar and then out the door he went like he would not speak a word that that seems really neat well you know he's uh, he's pretty unique uh i didn't hang around with him other than the sessions that i did uh i would have liked to but it didn't you know i mean it didn't materialize that way because i ha- i have tremendous respect for his uh body of work i mean the guys you know amazing that's for certain i definitely agree with you on that one so today you play a lot of classical guitar what made you choose that instrument well i always loved the classical guitar uh it's it's a different whole different instrument uh pete my teacher my guardian angel loved the classic guitar and he showed me a couple of pieces that we played finger style and the technique is totally different than you know with the with the electric guitars and the rhythm guitars the flat tops and as a technique it's it's extremely challenging and you get to play a lot of really more sophisticated kind of music and you and it's more more you where you're playing the accompaniment and the melody and the whole thing more like a piano kind of uh, uh capability and i i always enjoyed that and i kept the, i kept at it through you know through the years i would always you know sit on my couch and noodle uh, on the classical guitar and learn pieces and stuff and um Finally, um, at a certain point, I said, I have to be serious about playing it. Uh, my career as a guitar player lasted, you know, till the early 70s. And then I got into writing and doing arrangements uh, and songwriting and various stuff, producing more. Um, so I, I got more into the, the classic thing because I wasn't playing so much on the on recordings, except the stuff that we we worked on, I would play on on that but um as a a studio going from session to session i I wasn't doing that anymore and i I focused more and more on the classic guitar and finally i i said uh i want to do a concert right which is a solo you know you're sitting up there on the stage all by yourself uh and you have to be perfect or pretty close to it so i decided i wanted to do a concert and i took took me two years to prepare uh learning the music and 
rehearsing and studying and, you know, getting it under my chops so I could play it. And I invited all the guitar players I knew, which was pretty stupid, I think. <laughs> but anyway, it went over great. And I've been doing it, you know, since I haven't, performing is not my thing. So I work, I have my little studio at home. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty great. The technology allows uh, for a lot of uh, work can be done by one guy sitting by himself, you know. And that's pretty much what I do. I'll learn the music, I'll programming, I'll write some, make a track, a play to it. You know, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Music certainly is a lot of fun. I I know I have fun with it myself sometimes, but it's certainly certainly great. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you uh, you play. What do you play? I play guitar and viola. Viola. Yes. Yes. I was just programming the viola parts to uh, an adagio into Ooh. the computer. Uh, the Albinoni adagio. Oh, I, I haven't heard it. It's a beautiful thing. You've probably heard it. You, if you heard it, you'd remember. I'll have to listen. I'll have to listen. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, quite a fun instrument, I'd say. I certainly enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite musical memory? To say in a, in a general way, the times when I could just feel really free and just let the music happen. Uh it's it it's more of a um, rather than well maybe there might might have been one or two peak kind of experiences. Uh, Brown Eyed Girl was one because it was spontaneous uh, times when I felt really centered and quiet as a result of just focusing on music where where it it actually uh, I think for me. Uh, I know you, you guys are probably not into this kind of thinking, but for me, music is, is like a spiritual self-realization path. You hear about, you know, you go into the bookstore and you see, uh, you know, all this self-help stuff that if you attempt music or any art, almost anything is an art, but if you uh, apply yourself, it takes concentration, it takes focus, which is a kind of meditation, and it takes the the ability to manifest something. If you can't play, you know, uh, I don't know, happy birthday to you, you, you can't play it. You, you have to be able to play that before you can go to the next song. So it's a cumulative, actually building a technique that's a physical technique and a psychological and, and mental one. So it's a great thing. And I, I advise anyone who has any... Um, the slightest desire to be an artist to to just go for it man you know and that's more important than than being famous or being you know for me playing on a lot of records and which i love which is great but that connection to loving music is what is is the cause of all of that you know if you love it you you don't have to be disciplined you do it because you dig doing it you know and and that's what i advise all, all young people who have any idea that they might want to be an artist to just do it go for it it's a it's you know life is weird but having that in your life is powerful well all right gosh that thank you for that i mean yeah be art is amazing music is yeah. amazing your music yeah. is amazing <laughs> i i yeah gosh well well thank you so much for talking to me al this has been so interesting and I, I've had so much fun getting to talk to you, hear your entire musical story, your guitar playing, you know. Oh, gosh. You know, don't do this every day. <laughs> I'm 
you know, I'll shoot my mouth off every chance I get. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I figure if I got this old without having something to say, I really missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I enjoy talking to you as well, Sam. Have a great day. And You too. I'm Sam, and I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Al Gorgoni, a studio musician from New York who has played on recordings by Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, and more. If you liked that interview, make sure to listen to my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcasting platform to listen to other great interviews just like this one. <laughs>